Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. like to bring up Matt and Amy and Dad and, um, and Patty to the front here, and we're going to just kind of fill you in on what's going on with the leadership and kind of there's some transitions happening, so we thought what better day to, to kind of just say these things than today, and then we're going to do a Q&A panel, so they're going to be setting up behind us um, for the pastors, and, um, and then you can, we're going to have a text number uh, that you can text any question you want to. Uh, we've not rehearsed this. We've not planned it. There's not staged questions, uh, so, but we'd love for you to ask questions to us today. So get those questions ready. Um, but Dad and, and Patty, Dad uh, is, and I explained a lot of this last week, but if you weren't here for us, Dad is the, the founding pastor of the church. So our church started in 90, 1998, December of 1998. Um, my mom and dad put a second mortgage on their house to buy an old building in downtown Tip City. Um, then we eventually outgrew that. And uh, when we outgrew that, we, we bought land here, and, uh, and then we built here about five, five and a half years ago. Um, so so that's, that's their story. But as you know from last week, Patty entered our lives um, just a few years ago, but she, she came in just like totally open. We are a crazy family, as you can tell, and, uh, and we're a crazy church, as you can tell. Um, so we've been honored to have her join us and have her join our leadership team. And, um, and just so you know, we're, we're a non-voting membership church ran by a pastoral board. Um, so the way that works is basically um, the board at one time was all family members. So I brought in a second tier of leadership called a senior advisory team for council uh, that would be more healthy related to financial decisions and decisions related to the family since we were all in leadership. Since then, it's fanned out to a lot of pastors and leaders who are not family and blood family, uh, all family, not blood family. Um, so anyway, the transition what, way it's looking is uh, a few months ago, Patty and dad asked, what does it look like for us to move more towards retirement? Um, so last year, dad was elected county commissioner, woo, Miami County Commissioner, on a second attempt, but that had been a dream of his for many years, even when my mom was alive, uh, was a dream of his, and uh, now my mom squashed that dream a time or two, uh, of the year for a lot of people when Nicole and I share our story and always end with uh, Q&A. So it's your time to ask any question you want about the church, about the ministry, about the history, about where it's going, and, and about maybe us, maybe fun stories, what, what's our favorite things, what, you know, whatever you want to ask, there's, there's no, um, no judge here. Uh, so Nicole and I are the senior leaders, we're the senior pastors, um, and that occurred uh, January 1st will be five years. Coming up on January 1st, it will be five years officially. We intermed before that, helping my dad navigate about what he was going to do, and my brother and I, and our whole family, and so many others stepped up to the plate when my mom passed away to kind of figure that out. So then we have Josh and Angie, and uh, Josh and Angie are absolutely priceless. Um, he just, they take care of us so well and they fill in the gaps of wherever's needed. So if you know much about church structure or been part of leadership, the assistant pastors or associate pastors basically do everything that needs done and they make us look really good. Um, but their heart and their main focus is pastoral care 
And that involves any counseling. He's part of the Sozo, he leads the Sozo ministry. Uh, they do premarital counseling, uh, marital counseling when needed, um, and then anything else. They also are, are ramping up to do some classes on leadership, marriage, uh, parenting. So they've kind of had a history of that. We joke around, if you're familiar with Danny Silk, we say he's our Danny Silk of Upper Room. Um, so anyway, just, just really priceless. And then we have Micah and Meredith. And um, Micah has a gift of evangelism. Meredith has a gift of hospitality. Um, but they are currently serving as the youth pastors, and uh, they help us with the young adult ministry, the gathering. And, uh, but also, they have, he has a passion for uh, evangelism and outreach and just pouring out. So you're going to see they've started up a nonprofit. They've started up their own ministry called Love Pursuit International. So it doesn't mean they're disconnecting from here. It just means there might be weekends where they're away doing crusades or doing things, and we're blessing that. So still going to be an integral part of our leadership, but also doing weekend intensive and preaching out and doing things like that as well. Um, we just, we love seeing the kingdom impacted beyond upper room. So I, I limit myself to once a month travel. So there's once a month that I'll typically be out. I'm scheduled out through May already elsewhere. Uh, but I limit that to once a month because I love going out. I love impacting the kingdom outside of here. Uh, I love pouring into other leadership and cultures and just seeing a transformation there. Uh, but I also, there's no place like home. Uh, so when you see me not here every once in a while, that's usually why, uh, but that's once a month. Um, that's who we are. My sister, Cheryl, uh, she's up here uh, navigating through questions, so text those to her. Uh, she'll sift those out and uh, filter them. Um, you know, if, uh, if my brother is asking questions like, do you have fungus in your toenails? Um, you know, things like that. So. Because I know, I know our group here, and Nick, I know it. I know how it goes because I have texted the most random things to that same number multiple <laughs> times messing with Josh. You know, can you pray for my hemorrhoids? Uh, things, things like that. So just to be really honest with you. So Nicole or Cheryl will filter those out, but um, go for it. All right. We actually have a lot of questions already. So um, I have one from, and if you have a specific person you want to ask the question to, please, please text that whoever you want me to ask. Otherwise I'm just going to ask it in general. Um, but I, this one goes to Aaron, uh, is our pastor Greg and Matt still going to continue to preach? Great question. Yes. My dad, we had a meeting this week to um, make everything official and finalize. I wanted to make sure I was hearing his heart. And he said, I'd like to preach once a year. Um, so we have tons of preachers that we rotate through here um, in-house. And, uh, and I would like to recognize Steve Bowen. Uh, he's not a pastor on our pastoral board, but he's an integral part of our leadership, kind of like an adjunct pastor. Uh, like, a, like he just comes in and fills in some administrative things. Uh, so, but with him and all of us and Nicole, um, but yes, they are going to continue to preach. Matt's already told me I've got a burning message. Um, so he's preaching on Veterans Day. And then we'll be scheduling my dad. So we go through a preaching schedule about a three or four month out uh, kind of thing. We don't really advertise it, um, but we know that there's an anointing and call on their lives. All right. Just because they're not uh, pastoring or, or key leadership here now uh, doesn't mean there's not a call in their life and they're not great preachers. So they will continue to preach here. All right. This question is going to all of you. So just a quick uh, sentence on what your favorite thing about Erwick is. Erwick is Upper Room Worship Center. <laughs> Nicole, you want to start? Okay. Um, I think my favorite thing is uh, laughing and having fun in true relationships, you know. Uh, I have two favorite things, and the first is presence, that you come here, you feel Holy Spirit. 
Um, the right answer. <laughs> I, I, I go to so many churches and I've uh, been leading even regionally in Miami County, uh, a coalition of churches and to, to feel presence, to feel Holy Spirit, to feel the power, to, to feel the healing in that part. That's one thing we never want to forsake, even for the cost of people maybe sometimes or the masses uh, presence. And then the second thing is the culture of family, the culture of knowing we have each other's backs and that we actually like each other. Like that's, that's just a, makes me look forward to coming here every week. Josh. Uh, very similarly, you know, one of the things I tell a lot of people is I've, I've been with people who I've gotten close to as friends, and I've been with people who I've gone really deep spiritually with, but it's rare where those two paths cross at the same time, where you have people who you're really close to and you go really deep spiritually at the same time. And that's what I feel like we have here is it's, it's family with a real purpose to just, you know, dig into God and impact the world around us. I just love it here. Um, one word that I always love to describe this place is it's very organic. I feel like there's so much health here and that um, there's a lot of seeds that get planted here. And when they're planted, they're planted in very healthy soil. And it's just neat to see the seeds grow. And so organic is the word I think of. Very similar for me. I, I'd say the genuineness and the authenticity. I love that uh, when I come, like everybody, it's just authentic. Like, I don't feel like we're just putting on faces. Like when I walk in the door and when we interact with one another, even if we don't get to see each other like multiple times a week, it like, it just feels real, like really real. And I love the family culture for me and Meredith, but that's what we were looking for. Like I'd gone to churches where everybody was like flopping on the floor and there was like miracles happening all the time. And that stuff happens here. I love that. But like the one thing that I was searching for was family and that's what we found here. And that's the big thing that I love about Upper Room is you guys are family. Awesome, I could ditto what everyone else says, but I also feel like Upper Room's alive and it's not a one man show. So um, everyone up here has things to offer, but then everyone out here has things to offer as well. And um, I, yeah, I just look around the room and I see people um, who just offer so much here in the church, but also outside of the church, so. Um, I have a question. As the church continues to grow, are there plans to add on to buildings or utilizing the acreage we have in a different way? And what's your long-term vision for the entire property? <laughs> so we're dreamers and we're constantly thinking about what to do, what the future looks like. And um, I've had visions of anywhere from adding on a huge auditorium and, and, and reaching the masses to, you know, could we benefit financially to add, you know, storage units next door and, and make financial impact, you know, uh, all the way to like a retreat center and transformation center. And, um, but the reality is our, our, our general philosophy is that we would rather invest in people than a building. Um, but when the need comes, we would. So um, that's why we have two services now in, a, in an effort to not have to build on and, and invest financially into a building or a structure. Uh, we feel we have a nice facility that accommodates what we're doing right now. And um, if we need to add additional services, I told them, I've told them all, my max is three. I will do three Sunday services, no more than we'll build. Um, so that would be the future. Uh, as far as the property, we're just going to allow God to grow us where he wants to grow us. There's no pressure in that. There's no pressure in the numbers. 
and, um, and we'll address it as it comes and try to be as forward thinking as we can. But at the same time, I, I want to be a good steward and get this place paid off before we add on anything. So. This question is to any of you. Who believes that Judah is awesome? It's <laughs> all right. We need a little humor. There you go. They all think it. Uh, this question is to Micah. Uh, what is your routine or prayer life in following Jesus, and what do you do daily just to seek God? Dang, that's a good question. Um, I would say... I mean, it looks like time in the word and, uh, but it just kind of varies day to day, honestly. Like a lot of times, sometimes, how many of you guys know we have really busy days? So something that's really helped me was something that Rick Pino said uh, last month, or I think it was at the River Conference where he talked, I, I asked him, I said, how do you, you know, what's a lifestyle of worship look like for you? And he basically said like, you know, take out the trash, change poopy diapers. Um, so for me, that's actually honestly been my season lately, the last like month and a half. I actually haven't necessarily been spending this like quiet time with the Lord or even necessarily like extended time in the word word, but the word is living and active and I, it's like flowing all the time. But honestly, for me, like right now, if I can be totally raw, like about where I am right now, it's just like loving my family, you know, hanging out with the kids and like finding God in that moment rather than having the appointed set time to pray. But I love the appointed set time to pray. Like, that's my thing. You guys have probably heard me speak a few times in a few messages about private time and prayer, worship, in the word. So that's, I'd say, what it looks like for me is time in prayer, time in worship, time in the word. But right now, just learning to find God in the midst of my family. So hopefully that helps you guys. This question's for Angie. I know. And so you, you explained a little bit about your financial you know, what you're doing here financially, but somebody wants you just to kind of expound on what your professional life is and why you're passionate about it. Okay, all right. Well, um, so interestingly enough, um, I am the breadwinner for our family. So Josh is um, freed up to do a little more um, here. And um, actually, I really, I'm like a math nerd and I have such a passion for numbers. Um, and so professionally, I am actually, um, I work for a contractor for the base and I um, do all of the financial um, outlook and budgeting and cost analysis and estimating and I just love it. It's a really fun job. And um, and in my passion, which I really have kind of put on the back burner but hope to really pursue a little more deeply, is really to see people financially free and to really help with budgeting and investing and to see people um, just really experience um, God's faithfulness in their finances. Josh and I have really um, experienced a lot of that personally and um, been able to really kind of um, pursue and live a debt-free life. And um, that's my passion for um, others to be there as well. So there we go. All right. This question's for Josh. Um, in what ways other than numbers would you like to see us grow as a congregation or other areas to, to just be better in? I, um, first of all, before I answer that, I want to say I think we're very healthy. So, like, I don't want to say all the things that we need to grow in and forget. We have a really healthy congregation to start with, okay? Um, but I do feel like there's there's uh, room to grow. And so one of the things I would like us to see us really grow in is just understanding and embracing um, what we call the culture of honor. And that's not just respecting each other. That's learning how to disagree without being disagreeable. 
learning how to be open to each other and, and not feeling like we have to all think the same to still be family. Um, and I'm not saying we don't do that, but I feel like we can grow in that. And I feel like there's a, a new level of freedom that we can, we can step into as far as being free to, to, to express who we really are without being afraid that, oh, you know, that they're not going to like this part of me. You know, I, I really am passionate about seeing people become healthy and that they can express, I'm struggling here. I don't understand why scripture says this. I don't get it. You know, and, and really just be open and honest and regardless of where you are, that we can come together and, and just be real with each other. And it's not that we don't do that already. I just see a deeper level of that. Um, and I feel like I would love to see um, struggling relationships get healthy. And I'd like to see healthy relationships expand and grow. Because I don't want to put a cap on, okay, well, hey, Angie and I have a great marriage. But if I just get stuck there and say it's great and don't do anything then there's something wrong god's kingdom only knows increase so we should always be pursuing something increasing there should always be something more that we're going after and so i want to i want to see that uh, continue to grow that, to where we're we're emphasizing family and we're pushing each other you know gently but but sternly um to say hey we've got places that we can grow and expand and, and get better thank you so the next question is, who up here can interpret dreams or visions? I'm a hack at it, but I can do, <laughs> <laughs> I can do a little. I've, I've had some dream interpretation classes, and I can do a little bit. But I won't promise that I can interpret everything. I always reserve the right to say I don't know. Sure. <laughs> I'm with Josh. <laughs> About the same. <laughs> I've done some dream interpretation. I can help you out, but... I'm not an expert. <laughs> I tend to enjoy it. Um, again, not that I'm always right, but I can usually get a good little feel for what it, a direction it could be. But Nicole has this cool um, prophetic dictionary. It's like that thick. And it's anything you can imagine. And then the spiritual um, meaning or prophetic meaning of that. So if you dream of, have a dream with a bee in it or a fly, you know, all these things. So that's how I typically know. Because I just go through that thing. Like if I see something on the interstate or if I'm hunting and I see something weird, I look, I go to that prophetic like thing or I'm on Google, like what's the spiritual meaning of coyote, you know? And so, um, so I enjoy it. Not, not that I'm always accurate, but I do enjoy interpretation. Nicole, what's one of your favorite that maybe you've looked up or read or someone shared with you? Anything come to mind? Um, I guess... For me, it's anything with colors or numbers, because those are very, you can't really mess that up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meredith, is there a prophecy that you've gotten that just really resonated with you that you'd want to share? It could be general. Um, I've had a couple this year that include like hot air balloons, and last week all the girls were drawing hot air balloons, so I thought that was really cool, and so that's one that comes to mind recently. But it was about being like untethered and just like free um, to fly. So I don't, know. I don't know what the meaning necessarily is, but I'm still kind of. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> when just you look at it, when you look at something like that, you ask yourself, what what do you notice about it? Why this and not that? Why a hot air balloon and not an airplane? So one of the things would be with a hot air balloon is not tethered. Yeah. You're able to go to new heights, mm -hmm. but you don't have complete control. 
You know, a hot air balloon, you're letting go, and where the wind blows you, which is the spirit, he will take you. And so you're just, there's a lot of trust in a hot air balloon. So. I wouldn't call you a hack at that. that was yeah, that good. was pretty good. <laughs> Josh is pretty good at that. Well done. I, there was one that, and I'm not going to share it for you, but she had a dream, like a vivid dream this past year, and it led to actually a career change um, and, and just some things. So I remember you coming to our house, and I was like moved by what had happened. So if you want to share it, you can, but... I'm like still really moved by that. Um, so I had it was like a prophetic word from the 1st of January. Um, we were all in Kansas City and we did like a random prophetic activation. And it was just about like May being my month. And I really felt like it had to do with my job because I just was feeling really unsettled for the whole past year. And on the 30th of May, of course it was the end of May, <laughs> I had this dream where... Um, I was at the funeral of a little girl and her body was in the casket on the right side of the room. And then on the left side of the room, I saw her final interaction with her mom. And she just went up and said, what's the thing you wanna do together um, to make like a memory? And the mom said, I just wanna laugh with you. And so they started dancing. And when I was um, observing their interaction, I realized the girl had committed suicide. And I woke up crying um, in the natural and I didn't have any interpretation to the dream, but I knew I needed to just leave my job. And so I called my boss and set up a time to meet with her. And anyways, I transitioned out of being at Wittenberg. And it was really neat because um, uh, when school started again this fall, they had like a going away party for me. And at that meet or at the going away party, uh, one of the students came and he was a student I hadn't interacted with. Can you tell this part? <laughs> This, this student ended up coming. Meredith had never worked with him the whole time she was at Wittenberg, three years working with tons of college students. And he comes, and he had never met us before, and ends up talking about, he's like, just suddenly like, what are you doing? What are you guys going into? And we're talking about evangelism and this nonprofit we're starting up and stuff at Upper Room. And it ends up, he's like passionate about evangel evangelism. He's from Brazil, but he's now become like an integral person that Meredith and I are mentoring in evangelism to bring the gospel to Wittenberg University. And now this is after Meredith transitioned out of her job. So we really believe in God speaking to us through dreams like this. Like we've gone on mission trips through prophetic dreams. We've gone uh, connect, like literally major life decisions through prophetic dreams. So it's really powerful. I'd like to add to that though, because I'm, I'm the voice of reason here. Um, a dream is a low level confirmation. So you want to have some other things going on in your life. You don't just do everything on just one dream because you want to make sure that you've got, you know, they had other things stirring in them before this dream and, and, and the dream just accelerated what was already in their hearts. And so like if you have one dream and it tells you to, to do something and it's not in your heart, there's nothing else resonating, you know, you, you need to be praying into that, asking God to give you more. You, you don't want to just direct your life based on, on a dream that you receive. You want to really use the dream as confirmation and pile it on with some other things that God is, is, is yeah, like counsel from the body and feedback from the people around you. Yeah, that's what I was going to add. The Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counsel. And the very thing before Meredith quit her job, maybe the day after that dream, she met with Josh and Angie, got their input, and also privately with Nicole and I to get our input and to pray into that and to figure out what we thought it meant. And, you know, just so just along with what Josh says. So recently I did the 
five, the languages, five languages of love, and uh, some of the leadership in praise and worship did that. I thought it would be interesting to ask all of you what your number one love language is so the church can love you this way because everyone's a little bit different. So we'll start with Nicole. Well, the thing is when you take that test... <laughs> You do, they ask you, at, like, from the spouse perspective, so. So does yours touch? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Everyone touch her. <laughs> I do not. Uh, so my number one is quality time, and my and very close second was is gifts. So mine is physical touch, but only from Nicole and my kids. And then, uh, but affirmation, uh, words of affirmation, encouragement. That's, that's, that'd be my number one uh, applicable to hear. Um, I am, I'm a words of affirmation, um, but you have to be kind of covert about it because I don't like too much. Um, don't, so, you know, don't overdo it. I, I, I need to feel like it's really genuine and or I'll talk myself out that and not really believe that you, you're saying it. So just be covert about it and just say, tell me how great I am, uh, but not too often. Awesome job, Josh. <laughs> um, I am also a words of affirmation person, but you don't have to be covert. You could be very overt. I love, I just love what, you know, and honestly, like at work, I work with a lot of gentlemen and, um, and sometimes in being a female in a male world is a little bit different and um, you're looked at sometimes more as a secretary and I, that for some reason bothers me, but, um, but I love when there's affirming at work, affirming at home, affirming. My, so I love affirmation and I love it to be overt. I, I will just say real quick to you on this, that Nicole loves cards. Just so you know, I remember one time she said that she used to run out to the mailbox to check because she loved cards and she's a great card giver. So we appreciate that. And then Angie, Angie is like, my favorite cheerleader in the world. I can be having whatever kind of day and random texts from her mean the world to me. So she is genuine in giving those as well as receiving them. So thank you for always being such like an encourager. Let me clarify about me. <laughs> I, just as I understand myself, I like more hearing you tell other people how great I am than you telling me how great I am. <laughs> I, that's that's my word of affirmation. Aaron, he did a great job just now. Josh hey, was um, just really awesome. If you didn't know this, Josh is amazing. All right? <laughs> Josh is absolutely amazing. Micah? I talk about Josh behind his back. All good things. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, for me, it's a I, quality time and words of affirmation are probably the two really close ones. I think probably quality time even above uh, words of affirmation and I like gifts too, obviously. I'm everybody, who doesn't like gifts, you know? But, but quality time is the top one for me. Sure. And I think I'm probably acts of service and words of affirmation. That wasn't my phone. That was the timer to make sure that we didn't go too far over. And there's still a lot of questions, so I apologize if we don't get to all of them. Please don't be offended. You can still ask them these questions throughout the week. Um, Matt, I'm going to get you for this. <laughs> And Walt. One more, one, one more, more question maybe um, for each of it, for all oh, here's the a whole good panel. One. What has been your most impactful moment that you were part of or witnessed here at Erwick? Anyone want to take it? Or do you want to, I say start with Meredith. I 
can't pick one moment, but I will say something that just happened. Um, I'm standing, or yeah, I'm staying there, as, or sitting there as, as we're blessing uh, Greg and Patty and Matt and Amy, and I'm listening to what they're saying, and I'm thinking, gosh, Matt gave up his birthright, and Greg's passing on his baby. And here we get to sit in this spot where they are saying, we want you guys, this family, to come in and take places that they had every right to stay in. And they're saying, we want you guys to be here and part of it. And it's been like the, since the start here that you guys have brought us in and embraced us as family. And so is it one thing? No, it's just everybody has just poured in. And, and we were broken when we came. Not that we're completely, you know, totally healed now, but, you know, we're not perfect. But you guys brought such healing to us. So we just are so blessed to be here. I think the same. I think um, corporately, I, I'm trying to think because there's so many behind the scenes stories even of how Aaron Cole have so impacted our lives. Um, but I think for all of us, on, it's like it's so hard to put a finger on it because I feel like it's every week there's something unique that God does that like really is impactful to me uh, as a corporate expression. But even just recently, I, I think of one was uh, com when we took communion recently corporately a couple weeks, a few weeks ago. When we took communion together, that was like really impactful to me. I love communion and like just seeing us take that together as a family up here, I was like a blubbery mess, like crying in a corner. I don't know if you saw me, but I was just, I love the body broken for us in the blood poured out for us. Like I love the cross. I love the gospel and seeing us like celebrate the gospel together the other week, that like really wrecked me. It really impacted me because it was like, this is what, why we're a family. The whole reason we're a family is because he died and he, he died for us. And that really impacted me. Um, I think for me, it is, um, something that's so impactful for me is the, the truth and the reality that there are not just you know, sets of pastors who have our back or who are behind us or who are cheering us on, but it's actually the entire upper room family. You know, I think every single person in the, in the upper room family actually roots for us, cheers us on and wants to see it, like genuinely wants to see us move forward, wants to see our vision move forward. But like, it's such a selfless culture and that just like, that is very rare and it just impacts me a lot. I was just talking to the worship team about it so um, I think probably my most impactful moment was when I got to teach a couple months ago that was on my dream list to be able to do a Sunday morning service and I loved it when I left here I was like that was so much fun mm -hmm. um, and so I think that was probably one of my most impactful moments You know, I'm sitting here trying to... Bye, Matt. Love you. Thanks, Matt. Don't forget the tea party. So, um, he's going to Boston, okay? But um, I'm sitting here trying to visit, like, through my memories of just, like, one thing, and not one thing sticks out, but just, like... You know, continual encounters. You know... One of the things I live for is just time in the Lord's presence. And, uh, 
you know, just like a few weeks ago, I just locked myself in my office for hours and just was totally out in the love of the Father. Um, you know, a deep encounter with when Rick Pino was here. Um, you know, you think back to just leaders meetings and leader, we do a leader retreat, annual leader retreat for all leaders. So um, anybody leading who oversees the head of a ministry, and there's about 30, 35 of us um, that go away and just those times of just fun, but seeking his presence. And I don't know, I just think I'm a person after his presence and um, we all are, but I, just the encounters. I remember building the church and just, you know, I just been here late, you know, two, three in the morning and just, just fall on my knees and worship. So those moments, you know, you can come here anytime, you know, Steve Bowen comes here about three times a week and just locks himself in the church alone for like three hours, just sits on the stage with his guitar. You come in here anytime, you can feel the angelic, you can feel the presence, you can feel the love of the father. And knowing that we have a place that's that's cultivating an atmosphere of worship, an atmosphere of encounters, and an atmosphere of transformation in Jesus um, is just amazing. And I just, that's that's for me as far as in upper room, what, what I recall. You know, I've had deep encounters in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when I got saved at that moment, that's obviously the greatest experience of my life. But it, it wasn't necessarily here, but that's my answer. Um, yeah, I just get flashes of like different things. Like one time standing up on the balcony and just getting like the aerial view of what like just the encounters that people were having and the big eagle flag was being run around. And, um, I love seeing the kids dance, <laughs> you know, just, I don't know. There's so many things. Mm. And we're just going to wrap this up unless you have something more. Okay. So we're going to just wrap it up, but you know, I, I want to just speak for a second about these wonderful pastors that we have and what the impact that they've had on me, you know, when, um, pastor Greg said earlier that there was one pew, I was one of the people in that pew. And I just remember Aaron and Nicole, you know, coming into the church as young people. I mean, they, they've been together since school. And I remember there was a time when Aaron was on the drums and, um, he would, he was just the drummer in the praise and worship. I, you know, I think he liked it sometimes. I'm not so sure, but there was a moment where we're singing the song and he just gets up and he goes, you know, you should sing it like this. And I just remember that moment of going, he could sing. Like, when did Aaron start singing? And it was in, it, there was that moment where I was like, okay, God, I, you know, there's something more going on because he had a heart for worship. And then I remember Nicole saying one time to my mom, as they were the youth pastors, I don't, think I could ever get up and talk in front of people or tell people or do any of that. Like it was like, ugh. and I watch her get up here and run around and speak out. And it was a couple weeks ago, she was flat out preaching. Okay. And I was just standing back there just watching that. And then the, the biggest thing for, for me and in the church over there that we came from and to here was when they went over to Marion and had that encounter and they came back and there was something different at that moment we knew as a family and not Simmons family, but as a church, and I'm sure sister Lola and sister Helen can attest for the, there was a new level that we went to and we were all going with it. We were like, whatever they have, whatever they're doing, we're part of it and we want to be part of it. And whatever we need to do to hold up your arms and make it happen. That's what this church did. And I remember Josh and Angie coming in so humble and so sweet and just, um, like they said, broken. I didn't know that about them because they didn't show that. 
because they were just so willing to, you know, to just sit and just soak in God's presence. And I remember being on vacation and I came back and they introduced him as new pastors. And I remember looking, I think at Kim and I said, I went away and there's new pastors. I don't even know who these people are, but they're awesome. They're great, you know? And um, so it was just really, to me, such an amazing add on to the family of pastors. They, they are the voice of reason. Josh is the voice of reason. And yet he has this wicked sense of humor that, you know, you really have to talk to him to get to know. Cause I'm like, he's a watcher. And you're like, what's he thinking right now? Has anyone else in here ever thought, what is Josh thinking right now? But we're just so blessed to have them. And Micah and Meredith, I can actually remember when you guys came in and I think it was like the first service, Micah just laid on the floor, just down on the floor. And so, and I knew that the heart, the heart of the house was there. He had, and Meredith had just such a sweet, sweet spirit about them and willing to do whatever. I just watch him look at Aaron when, especially in the beginning days, I would just watch. He was like a little kid just looking up at someone going, tell me what you want me to do. Tell me what he reminds me of my little, my little dog. When I come home, he's like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And that's, and, and that is such a testament of who you are, Micah, that you are so willing to humble yourself and say, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And I want to be part of this congregation. So I just, I just, on behalf of the church, thank each and every one of you for your love, your sacrifice, your time, for your children, sharing your children with us. Let us not ever forget that they all have kids that come around and are in this church all the time and, and they make it fun. I love the fact that they'll bring their kids in here and let them have fun, that they'll bring, you know, foam guns in here and, and let them play around. And it's a big deal to let their kids know that this is a place of fun and love. So let's just give them a hand. Thank you. Thanks. We'll just all stand because we're leaving. <laughs> uh, it, it is fun. Like my kids are down there giggling right now, but you guys probably get restless in one service. They're at two services every single week. So when they're down there giggling and stuff, we don't really pay much attention. We're just like, yeah, let them have fun. But what she's talking about, we'll come in late nights or even our pastor's meetings look kind of different. Usually we eat and we'll do Nerf guns or hide and go seek in the church because we want our kids growing up thinking church is fun and not that it just robs mom and dad's times. You know, so just so you know, this church sometimes does turn into a little bit of a play zone uh, in a good way, in a respectful way. But, uh, but anyway, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for loving us well. Like, you don't get to see this, but the next service, they're going to lavish our children with gifts. And uh, if you want to stay, you can see it, but we're not expecting you to. Uh, but they just lavish us with gifts. And then the gift for us is um, the church gifted us this year. We're going to a church conference in California uh, this week. So that's what we ask for our gift to be for pastor appreciation. We, we get a little bit of a travel budget. So we're using that combined with the gift of pastor appreciation. And we're going to Cali. So we're excited for that. Uh, so anyways, you, you don't get to see that presentation next service, but thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. And honestly, like you are who the church is and you make pastoring so easy and fun and doable. Like I don't want to just pastor a, a stuffed up church with people that don't even really care about each other and want to be with each other. So anyways, you make it easy. I think I speak on behalf of all of us. Thank you. 
and, uh, and we love you. So let me pray for us all, all right? We'll make this legal, a legal church service, even though Nicole already did this. But God, I just thank you for every person here. I thank you that we are one, that there's no one greater than the other. God, there are certainly different giftings and anointings and callings and purposes. But God, we are all one. We are all believers, and we're all just seeking after more of you. So God, I thank you that you've set up a structure in the church that there can be leadership, there can be casting vision, and I, and I thank you, and I'm humbled that, that I get to do that, and we up here get to be a part of that process. But God, thank you for, for trusting us, trusting us with your people, not our people, God, but trusting us and stewarding, letting us steward your possessions, your, your gifts, and your people, God. And we just thank you for that. So we just pray for just, an, a, just a tremendous week, a fun week, and a good week full of your glory, full of your presence, and full of your love. Let, it, let us just shine bright for everybody around us to see how good you really are. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, but... Nicole and I are the senior pastors. We're the senior leaders. Uh, that means we're the head pastors of the church. Um, and uh, we lead. We cast vision. We get to lead the leaders. We get to be a part of this. I would have never dreamt in 100 years uh, that I would have been a Christian, let alone a pastor. And here we are. Then we have Josh and Angie, the amazing Josh and Angie, um, who are just awesome. And uh, they're the associate pastors. And their role is basically fill in the gaps and do anything that needs to be done. And uh, Josh is one of the hardest workers I know personally. Uh, he, he's never not busy trying to do something. He's very proactive, calling me at least once a week. What can I do for you? What needs done? What would you like to see at the church? You know, things like that. But then they also uh, do care pastoring. So they do a lot of counseling, a lot of premarital counseling, marital counseling, counseling individuals. Also, he leads the Sozo ministry, which is a big undertaking. It's a very large ministry. Uh, then we have Mike and Meredith, and uh, they're just awesome as well. And don't they look so good? They bring the youth to the pastoral um, board, and uh, literally, like figuratively and literally, they're the youngest, and they also pastor the youth, um, and they help us with the young adults, but he has an evangelist gift on his life, and she has the gift of hospitality, so they're just a good thing. When you mix all of us together, it's like not only is the five-fold coming alive through all of us, including Dad and Matt and Steve Bowen, it's like when we're all present, we have the package, and um, but... They, uh, they have a call in their life to do um, beyond upper room. So they're going, you may see or have seen, they've, they've launched their own ministry in 501c3 called Love Pursuit International. And uh, we're excited for them because we know Micah not only is called to help with a local church and bring the gift of evangelism and outreach here to us, but he's also called to do crusades and intensives. So there may be weeks you see on Facebook, he may be in a different country or something doing a healing crusade. And, and we're blessing that. Uh, but just also be comforted to know this is home and he's still part of our leadership here. And uh, we're just excited for them to, to see that. So we just want to bring that to light too and congratulate them. Uh, but this is the core decision makers for the church. So we'll oftentimes have core pastor meetings, and that's us coming into a room to figure out the direction and how do we execute some things here. Uh, then we have bigger pastoral meetings that includes Steve and then the others that we just talked about. Uh, then we have the, the senior leadership team, and that is our, we have an annual leader retreat with about 30, 35 of us going to a house, and we just seek his presence, and those are ministry team leaders. And then on the side, I also have a senior advisory team. So, um, but here we are, that's our roles, and then Cheryl is not only my sister, but one of the worship leaders, and today's host. So, it's now hers. Ah, I feel like Oprah Winfrey, I just want to say, you all get free cars, but no, anyway. 
that would be so that would be so much better. So uh, one one quick thing, if you ask a question, please let me know if you want me to ask a particular pastor. Just put who you want that question to go to. Otherwise, I'm just going to open it up. And it's anonymous. I won't tell you. I won't tell people who unless you want me to. The front row is really giving me a lot of crazy questions right now. <laughs> just going to say that. This is a little more lively group. I'm going to warn you guys right now about that. Um, so the first question actually was, um, and it didn't say to who, so each couple, I guess, can answer this. Who takes more time getting ready in the morning? Each couple can answer. So when I go to the fire department, I set my alarm for, um, if it's not a day I work out, I set my alarm for 640. I have to be out of the house by 6.43 to make it to the fire station at 6.59, okay? So, and then it just add a little bit more to that on a Sunday uh, to give me time to take a shower and make sure I have the kids woke up by the time she gets back home. So I'm 15 minutes or less, including a shower. He is being completely honest. Um, and on school days, I, can, I could actually probably do that same thing because I don't believe in washing my hair every day maybe twice a week. And so on those days, I'm in the shower, I'm cleaning, I'm out. So maybe 15 minutes, but on a full cleansing day. <laughs> I could probably do 25, but that's about it. That's if she goes with the outfit she picked out. There could be two to, there's a variable of two to three additional outfits that she decided to go through before she picks the final version. Whoever she wants to take the longest. Definitely me. Josh, I don't think, yeah, you know, he just, like men, just get in and out of the shower and they're done. So, yeah. It's the same. I'm like Aaron and Josh, like seconds in the shower and I'm like, sparkly clean. <laughs> I just always look less ready because I get the kids ready and then I shower. And so whenever I drop them off at school, I always have wet hair. So I wonder what their teachers think, but whatever. <laughs> So, Aaron, we had a question whether or not uh, Pastor Greg or Pastor Matt will continue to preach. We had that question in the first one. Oh, yeah. Yes, they will. And uh, as you know, we share the platform uh, very openly with uh, the pastors and the leaders in the church. Um, I think next week, Steve Justice is going to be preaching. Uh, the week after that is Matt on Veterans Day and uh, also sharing that with Steve Bowen a little bit. Uh, but, Dad, one of the things that we talked about in, in finalizing everything with how this was going to look is he's like, I'd just like to preach at least once a year. I was like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so um, Nicole preaches. We All of us up here that preaches, uh, Meredith doesn't yet. I don't think she has an interest yet. Um, but she does amazing in announcements. Everybody else has it, and Steve Bowen. We have so many other gifted uh, people here. So yes, the intention is to, to use them. We understand there's an anointing and a calling on their lives. It's just their full-time platform is going to change a little bit week, uh, during the week. So, I'll leave this question open to whoever wants to answer it. What is your greatest joy in pastoring, and is there something in the role you don't enjoy? I'll start it. We'll just go down the line. The greatest joy is people. The greatest challenge is people. <laughs> yes, the greatest joy is seeing breakthrough and growth. And like, just, I think just like what we would talk about today with the worship team, you know, that is, that brings me joy because I know these guys and I was just telling Kendra, like for Daniel, I'm like, I worried about Daniel for so long and I'm like, look at him now. I just, it just brings you joy. And 
So there's that. And then my greatest weakness, or, well, what is it? The greatest disappointment or whatever. What, what, what don't the challenge. The challenge is, um, the hardest thing in the challenge for me is those things that come out and, and smack you out of nowhere. That you just didn't see coming and you're just, you just, you know, just some of those types of things. So, but then the, the good that comes from that is the freedom and the breakthrough that comes from that. And then you get to see that in the, you know, come to pass. Yeah, I, I love seeing when somebody just awakens to who they are, to who God made them to be. Just when you get to be a part of that, there's nothing like that. And it, it, it also awakens you to who you are. And so, you know, you can't trade that for anything. Um, the challenge, um, I think, is just, um, you know, if, you, if you've gone through um, a, few, a few people who are not seeing that, who keep hitting the same walls and who keep, you know, you, you care for them, you love them, you want to see a breakthrough, and you keep coming up against the same thing, it can be ch pretty challenging. So you have to really um, enjoy the victories and not dwell too long on, on the struggles. Kind of this, the same thing, but I love when God gives me a word for someone and I go get, deliver that word and it really ministers to them. That is my favorite thing. And when you know that it touches their heart deeply, oh, that's like my favorite thing. I'm like, Lord, thank you for letting me be used that way. Um, and I think a challenge for me actually is really learning how to balance everything really well. I mean, I want to balance being a good mom, and I have a full-time job, and, and here, and I, I kind of struggle with perfectionism, so I want to be perfect at all of that, and so to me, is like learning to have grace for myself, but have really good balance in all of that. So I think for me, definitely people, seeing people like empowered, I love seeing others like actually kind of like what Aaron and everybody was really saying, but I can really relate to that. Like when you actually see somebody get their, get it like their moment with God or some sort of experience or breakthrough or an encounter or even just activated where somebody just suddenly there's like that switch where suddenly they're just like moving in power for me. That's a big thing. Like just suddenly they're healing and they're like prophesying flowing in that stuff. Like that really encourages me and, all, and I guess is a boost like keeps me going like yes okay there's you know stuff's happening it's awesome like it's a, that's encouraging that excites me and then like a challenge for me on a practical level because I'm young and like growing in a lot of stuff like in leadership stuff and a lot of things is like probably just practical like administrative stuff that would be a big challenge for me that I constantly like wrestle with it's not my personality as it is but then it's so then like on top of you know like pastoring and pastoral stuff that can be a real challenge for me um, so just growing in that and like learning and so that's where I'm at. And for me, it would be the people as well as like the greatest blessing. And then the challenge would just be as a young mom balancing like the kids' needs with the needs of the people. So this question is for Josh and Angie. What has been a scripture that has changed your life as a unit or as a couple? And how did that help you through transitions? Gosh, the one scripture, I don't know the exact reference, it's in Romans, where it talks about um, perseverance leading to character, and actually trials leading to perseverance, perseverance leading to character, character to leading to hope, um, and there was a time in my life where I was really feeling very hopeless, 
and I came across that scripture, and it's probably just been, gosh, like seven years ago, and that defined my life. Like, I thought, man, I am in some hard times, and I saw how God used a path to go from hard times to persevering in this. Like, I am not letting this thing go to developing a character in me that was so deep that then the end path, that's where you get your hope. And I still, that scripture has just really marked me in my life as I'm pursuing hope, character, just all of those things. So that's my scripture. Greater love has no one than this, that he'd lay down his life for his friends. And what we found in our marriage and with our friends is it's a, continue of, a continual thing of laying things down for, for love. That... Um, you know, you saw the clip. She's bragging about me, how I sold everything for her. What she doesn't tell you is that I still didn't have enough, and she made up the rest to pay for her own ring. And that's how she brags on, on, on me. And so, you know, part of, of what we are learning is that it isn't about what I can get out of it. It's about what I can lay down. guys keep making me cry and then I got to and I and I will tell you we I have right now it looks like about 20 questions so we won't get to all of them please don't be offended I'm just really trying to go through them and of course there's a lot of crazy ones front row again um, um, they just keep going and going and going okay we're not talking about bodily functions do not send me any more about them okay um, have any of you ever seen angels or an angel I married one. Oh. <laughs> and drop the mic. <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> that was awesome. Can I can I start this one? Can you get spiritual on this, Micah? <laughs> yeah, it's the same. No, I'm thinking. Uh, no, yeah, I've we I definitely seen angels like more when I was younger. Now a weird a weird way to explain. Really, I constantly feel or sense aware of the angelic. Aaron and I recently were on a conference together. And now, like, not necessarily seen, but when I was a kid, I remember physically seeing angels. There was this one time where, I can't get into all the details, but basically I actually had this encounter where I was physically uh, taken to hell as a kid. And now I know the calling, because of the calling on my life, why that happened. But it was very traumatic, and it lasted, like, it felt like it lasted hours. And when I woke up on my bed, terrified from this encounter, there was an angel physically standing by my bed to comfort and bring, like, the presence of God. So, like... The memory of that encounter of the vision of hell stuck with me, but the trauma didn't. See what I mean? So, like, anyways, I just feel like that—that's kind of really angelic happening. But I remember Aaron; he was—we were laying hands on people, and Aaron got to this group, and suddenly it was like more just physically feeling the angelic. And right then, suddenly, all there was like the bodies hit the floor. There was like this pile of bodies everywhere, and it was right at this moment of feeling the angelic come in. So a lot of times, even it's not like physical eyes or even a vision, but just like there's this sense or this knowing, a feeling of the angelic suddenly coming in and just their ministering spirits sent to, you know, minister to those who are to inherit salvation, which is us. So they're strengthening us. They're releasing like things from the presence of God and from the throne. So I don't know if that, that's kind of my two cents on that. Aaron, we have several questions about the direction of the church or whether you'll build on or what what you see going forward, and it doesn't even have to do with numbers, but. Yeah, um, we, I don't know if you realize this, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but we don't take attendance. 
because we're not fixated, our eyes aren't fixed on how many people attend our church on a Sunday. We just want to see lives transformed and impact the people around them by the encounters, by what they're receiving here through the ministry. So uh, numbers aren't our focus. I know we filled up the 11 a.m. Uh, a year and a half ago, so we introduced it the 9 a.m. Uh, to help alleviate, and obviously it's, it's working. Uh, we just need to fill them both back up again. So uh, it's funny, over the last few months, they've kind of leveled out. So there's an equal amount of 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. now. It's kind of weird making that adjustments because when you're used to just a place so full with the balcony and everything, and then you like split it in half, uh, it's kind of weird. But, you know, our, our goal, I guess our vision is not to invest a ton of money in buildings. We want to invest in people. We want to make sure we focus on his presence and invest in people. So the one thing I've promised them is that we, we would um, never do more than three services on a Sunday or a weekend. That's, that's like my max. Two's pushing it. We'd never do more than three. If we reach that point of filling up, then we would obviously build on. So we don't have plans to build on. We've not met with architects. We're hopeful that maybe we get to one day, but we're also not feeling that that defines us. I don't, I don't have a goal to have a mega church or, or to us have a church of 1,000 or 2,000. That's not a goal of ours. I'd rather have a few hundred people that can experience his presence, feel his love, pass that on to somebody else than, than a church of thousands that just come in and are cycled in and out through really quick services. So that's just who we are. I, we would um, focus, we, we, we would focus on the presence in the, at the expense of maybe losing people than to try to gain people and lose his presence. That's, that's just where we are as a church. So we've had dreams of like the property and like, man, what could we do? We've got all this land right here. Could we like put storage units there and make money? Could we have a retreat and transformation center and do it on Airbnb, but use it for transformation and all this stuff. So we have dreams, but nothing concrete. And we just, we're dreamers. We love to hope and dream for the future. And we have huge faith. Um, but if the need ever arises, there, there's some needs in the church. We're, we're like out of storage room because we've now expanded and using all of our storage rooms for ministry rooms now. And so we, we don't know, but we would rather not build for a long time or a while and just maximize the use of this facility. Um, but maybe short addition in the future just because we need storage and a couple specific needs. The youth are already, the youth leadership's like, can we have a youth facility? Not right now. We're saving money. We want to pay off the building. Um, it's about a $1.2 million project when we built, and I think we're under about $500,000 in debt. And we also own another building. Um, we own a business in town, the Grounds for Pleasure Coffee Shop, so we have equity there. So we have about, I would say with the cash in the bank, we have about the equity that we owe on this place, but we want to pay this off and get debt free. So... And this leadership really encourages dream, dreaming, and they're all dreamers. And I was reading a study yesterday that said dreamers are actually more intellectual because they allow their minds to go other places than just stick. So we have some very smart pastors up here. So good job. Baby, I don't just have a wandering mind. I'm a dreamer. See, I'm more intellectual. They say a wandering mind means you're smarter. So there you go. Meredith, this question is for you. Um, outside, outside of church or even the kids, what's some of your favorite hobbies or things to do? Uh, I really like hosting and just like having get-togethers in our home or going out on adventures. I like finding small towns and fun eateries and things like that. So, I don't know. <laughs> and this question is kind of twofold. It's for Nicole. Where do you get your cool clothes? <laughs> I have a lot of them, believe it or not, asking about that and who has more shoes, you or Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so you can answer both of them. Uh, I think I probably... Wait a minute. 
I just cleaned out my shoes, so he does probably have more. You do. <laughs> I think His are literally on in are they stacks, new? like probably five layers of shoes, this kid. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> there's a lot you do, he doesn't wear, he just should get rid of. But anyway. Um, I love H&M, and I love Merchant 31, and I love Little Boutiques, and Forever 21 is since I'm no longer 21, is slowly going down. But, um, can you think of any others? Those are pretty, those are my go-tos. Never Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong. Right, no, I just, it did. But yeah, so that's, that's it. All right, um, next question for anyone that wants to answer it. Um, did you ever struggle with expressing your God-given talent or not sure what to do at first with it? How did that look like when you were first starting out? Um, yeah, I want to answer that. Um, I think that I can really relate to Meredith and like where she's at as far as like that the season of like little kids and you know I mean I still have one little one but it's just such a different time now. But for me, I felt like through those couple years, I was like losing myself and not knowing who I was. But like at the same time, what was weird for us was like he was like moving forward into what like he was honing in on what his calling was and it was like and it felt to me like you if you were at the marriage night when Nikki said that Jake was taking all the Jesus that is what it felt like for me and I'm like he just has all the Jesus and I just have all the tantrums and um and so I was just I felt like I was just in a whirlwind I couldn't figure out what, what I was doing or which way I was going but a lot of prophetic words and a lot of things spoken over my life but also a lot of pushing from him. And so I guess for me to say to you would be like, you need to have someone in your life who is pushing you to move into your calling. Like you're, you know it, like I knew it deep down. It was oftentimes hidden. I couldn't even, I didn't see it necessarily, but like I knew it was in me, but like to have someone that was like literally making me and pushing me. And so I just, I feel strongly just to say like, it is so important that you have someone in, in your life, like your spouse, hopefully, and other people in your life that are pushing you into your calling and helping you if you're, if you're, you know, hiding back or scrunching back away from it. It's just so valuable to have someone pushing you. One, one thought that I had is like, for me, my whole life, I've battled fear and shame. And literally, I was so tormented with fear most of my life that when I was like 13, 14 years old, I still slept on my parents' bedroom floor and uh, wouldn't go anywhere, wouldn't do anything public. I was so terrified and riddled with fear. And uh, like my whole, like even when I got saved, my whole journey was like this journey of, has been a journey of stepping out of fear. Um, so like, just to like to share, just to relate to you, like now, you know, like I remember when somebody first called out that I was an evangelist, I sunk in my, share, my chair. I was in the front row and I literally, I remember I sunk in my chair and I was just like, oh my gosh, oh no, I was so scared. And like, so just like to encourage you that like it's, there's a process and it's a journey and like just, just the prophetic words, like holding on to the prophetic words over your life and, and using them to contend and to have warfare. Like I will not give up. This is who God says I am. I feel like this is who I am, but this is who God says I am. And I'm going to believe that and just keep moving forward and taking steps towards that prophetic promise. I think one thing I've had to overcome is the idea that your calling or your ministry has to be in a certain place or, or spot. And so, you know, if I'm called to be a pastor, that means I be, need to be on the stage preaching every week. 
and it's just not true. I mean, if, if God has called you to something, do that where you are, you know, and, and you know, kind of learning to, to pastor or shepherd people in different places that, that I have influence um, and get away from the idea that um, if I just get to this place, then everything's going to be okay. You know, you become a pastor, and it doesn't mean all your problems go away all of a sudden. <laughs> Or, or you think, you think, well, I'll get more spiritually disciplined if I just get this role in the church. No, you get that discipline, and then that may open up. But, it, but the discipline is, is more about you know you learning to be who God made you to be in the role in the place where you are in life right now. Micah, they ask you to do a follow up on how you got over the fear. So, basically, you know, in the Bible, it talks about how perfect love drives out all fear. So. No, is more and more as the Lord and even these guys have helped me walk through this more the last couple of years. Like the the biggest thing is just like knowing and getting settled in God's love that He has for you. So more than even His love for you know like your love outward to what you're called to do. Figure getting settled in how loved you are by Him. Perfect love will drive out all fear. But then also being delivered from the spirit of fear doesn't mean that you you won't feel fear. Like for me, I still fear, feel, feel fear. Like I, the few weeks back when Josh talked about preaching on the airplane, my stomach was turning and I was like, oh God, why are you asking me to do this? <laughs> like I still fear, feel fear, but being delivered from the spirit of fear means that you don't let it tell you what to do. You do not let it define your life. So when fear comes knocking, it tells you, you know, don't go for that job. Don't go for that, you know, that thing. Don't do that. Go, don't go for that trip. Do the very thing that fear is telling you not to do because on the other side of that is breakthrough. So do it anyways. Fear will knock. Say no. And let me just encourage you. Um, if you don't know like what your calling is, just keep doing what you're doing or doing what makes like brings you joy. So sometimes I think we overlook our heart and what God gifted us as a heart. Of like what, what brings you passion? What are you excited about? Or what frustrates you to the point where it just annoys you? Maybe the school board just like drives you nuts by the decisions they make. Well, then run for school board. Like, but in anything though, just love the person in front of you. Like that's your calling at the moment. So like some of these callings comes and there's ebbs and flows and there's, so like tomorrow I clock in at the fire department at 7 a.m. So it is my job and my duty to actually have an anointing of a training lieutenant tomorrow. So tomorrow from, from seven to five, that's, that's my calling right there. And, uh, and there might be some phone calls where I take, you know, you know, talk to Nicole or uh, every single morning at 8.30, my kids call me. This is a day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So it's my anointing at that moment to be a dad. And then when I get home, now I'm dad mode, I'm husband mode. So it's like sometimes we, we think we need a position or a title to fulfill this anointing and this calling in our life. Actually, you just need to do what God's calling you to at that moment. So at times, you know, when we were waiting on Mike, it's because he had an anointing to change a poopy diaper in the bathroom. So that was his anointing at the moment. So we can't overlook like the things that are going on in our lives. Like you are not a second class anointing if you're not on a couch up here right now. Like there are some of you doing so much greater things than we're doing. I look at Steve, just so many of you. It's like you guys are anointed. Yes. You guys are anointed to like do what you're called to do and then do the very best at that. Like you're anointed to be a mom. be a grandma, a grandpa. 
Like that's some of the greatest anointings we could have is actually be a husband, you know, be a family person. You know, this is actually just bonus for what I do in my life. And like, I live in an anointing of a heart for worship to do really, really good at my home. And then I get to do this publicly after I succeed at that. You do good with little, you're given much, you know, if you can rule your own home, you can rule the kingdom. So, so for me, the anointing really comes from the things closest to my heart. And first of all, that's being a son of the living God. You know, that's, that's my heart. That's my anointing. My anointing is actually living in worship. You know, then it's a husband, then it's a dad, and then it's, you know, all these other things. But for me, I just want to encourage you that, like, where are the days of us prophesying? You know, where are the days of us just encouraging you to be you and be really, really good at being you and loving yourself well and loving your family well and actually doing that really well? And last but not least, I'm sorry I did not get to all of them. There's, there's still a ton of them. Um, but one of the one of the things that I asked in the first service is uh, the leadership in praise and worship did the the love language test. So when you take that. Um, it's about you and your spouse. So keep that in mind. But I think it's important that we know our pastor's love language and that we are, you know, we're, we're receptive to that and, and to know what, what really makes them love us the way they love us and to love them back in that way. So I'm going to let each of them just say what their one and two love languages. So, um, and keep in mind when you take this test and when they took it, it was for their spouse, but it's still good in relationships. Quality time and... On that note, I like being with people, but I also like quality time with myself. And number two is gifts. So mine is physical touch, but please, it's not with any of you, okay? <laughs> Only Nicole and my daughters. I like hugs. I like, you know, the rub in the leg, but like that would be just so awkward. So I'm good with just like a quick hug and out, all right? Uh, but for here and even up there with that for me equally is words of affirmation. So that's like bar none. You're amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So if you hear her say that, like I used to like play it off. Like, boy, what a great message. It was God. It was only Jesus. God gave me the word. Now I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So words of affirmation for me. Um, I'm, a, I'm a words of affirmation, but I much prefer you telling other people how great I am than you telling me. So I love to overhear you talking about me to other people. So. Hey guys, did you know Josh was amazing? He was like, awesome. He's awesome. He was awesome. Um, I am also a words of affirmation person. And like I said in first service, Josh says, you know, he likes to overhear it. No, I like to hear it. You just tell me. Uh, you just tell me directly. And it's so funny because I feel like I have that gift for others, but it's funny how like you give that gift and it's like something like you give and it's like a seed that you sow and then you reap. So. Yeah, definitely words of affirmation. So publicly, yeah, same words of affirmation and quality time. Really, really like those two things. I was loving Mike when he was changing that diaper because I'm an acts of service and words of affirmation. <laughs> All right, last, last but not least, fun one, cats or dogs or no? No. <laughs> We're a no family, but I would prefer a dog over a cat. No. <laughs> Josh. We are uh, no, well, I'm no, but we have a cat, which I prefer to dogs because they poop in a box. <laughs> so we, 
we grew up having a dog, and I loved my little dog, but I never had to go clean up after it. And so now that, like, we have one child who really wants a dog, and I'm like, there's no way we're getting a dog because I would be the one cleaning up the poop. And now we have a cat, litter box, children. It's awesome. So kitty cats and children. Yeah, if you have a kitty cat, you have to have a child who cleans the litter box. So. We like people <laughs> who can actually <laughs> feed themselves and go to the bathroom by themselves. We like people. Uh, all right, I got a question for you. All right, if would you rather have cat paws for hands or dog paws for feet? Dog paws. Dog, dog paws, paws for feet. All right, how many are dog paws for feet? Raise your hand. Okay, cat paws for hands. Raise your hand. Okay. Last question. All right, would you rather have a an elephant's nose for a nose or a giraffe's neck for a neck? Okay. Giraffe's neck, raise your hand. That's no double chin okay. for elephant's, me. It would make me very elephant's happy. Elephant's trunk for a nose, raise your hand. Okay. Yes. Those are the stuff we would do in the, uh, the youth clubs. We had one last comment, and it was just to thank you guys and to really just shower you with love. And that was actually text, just to thank you and encourage you for all that you do. So I don't know. I think we should just give them a, a real round of applause. Thank you. We'll just stand with you because we're all getting ready to leave. So, um, and I just love to pray for you. But thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll, I'll be honest. The church isn't a building. The church is, is people. And the reality is, I realized this several years ago, you're not my people. You're God's people. God has just entrusted and, tr and, and, and just allowing us to steward his precious gifts, his precious jewels. And with people like this, with a church like this, it makes it really easy for us. You know, I know that people are the greatest challenge of ministry, but without people, it'd be easy, but it'd also be really boring. That's what I was having a hard day once. And Josh was like, listen, ministering would be really easy if it had no people in it. <laughs> so we thank you. You guys, you really are amazing. We do have a healthy church. And, and um, one of the questions that was asked earlier, what would you change or what, what do we need to improve? And Josh was like, we have a really healthy church. Not to say we don't have problems. Not to say everything's perfect here. We, we realize that. Um, but we really enjoy the people that are here. And we look forward. There has not been a Sunday that I've not looked forward to coming to church. Like, I can't remember back maybe 10, 12 years it's been since I've not looked forward to every single Sunday, week after week after week after week. I know I joke around about not being a morning person, but man, when I get out of bed, now I'm looking forward to church. And it's always been that way, and, and I hope it will always continue that way. But it, it's because you guys are so amazing and so good, and, and we love you. We thank you for lavishing us with love and giving, giving us some uh, fancy seats to answer really fun questions at. But uh, uh, November 12th, it is the Veterans Day service, but after that, we have the thing called the Connection. So it's lunch. We are going to do a Q&A. We're going to talk about the history of the church, the beliefs of the church. So if you're intrigued and you want to know more about Upper Room and you want to know even more about us um, than this, then, then come to the Connection. It's at 1 o'clock. It's after the last service. Lunch is going to be provided. It's, it's our way to open up the front porch to you, to open up that front door to say welcome in and welcome home. So, uh, so anyway, we love you, but let's pray. Put your hands on your hearts. God, I thank you that you've actually gifted all of us the opportunity to pastor something, pastor someone. So God, we are leaders. We're all leaders. We're all believers, God, that are called to love your people. God, I thank you that this group up here and, and the, the other pastors in our church, God, are called to steward and just, and just love and equip 
God, you say your word, the church is for the equipping of the believers. So thank you for giving us that opportunity to equip so many amazing people. And God, we just pray for influence to increase. We pray for transformations to increase. We pray for healthy marriages, healthy homes, healthy lives, God. We pray that there'll be hope-filled lives. So God, we just thank you, but we thank you that we're all on the level playing field. There's not one greater than another. We're just all different. God, we're not greater than anybody that isn't on this stage right now. We're just all different. So thank you for being a creative artist and making us all different with greater, with, with all different callings, different giftings, different anointings. And God, most of all, different influences and spheres of influence. So God, but just let us impact the ones around us the way you need it to so that your glory can be just broke through God and that your love can just shine so bright to the lives around us. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All right, in honor of my dad, we used to end every Bible study like this on Wednesday nights, way back in the day. We used to end every, every Bible study with raising our hands and saying, thank you, Jesus, three times. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah so we're just put your hands up high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right.